0: the Lord Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 11 welcome back to a very special edition of the lift bridge Podcast. This is your host, John Laurie coming to you live from the beautiful Christmas city of the north, Duluth, Minnesota, and we just hope that you are having a wonderful time in these uh, wonderful days before Christmas. Uh, guys, uh, you might be doing your Christmas shopping. <laughs> hope that's getting done. Hope everything's going great for you. Uh, today in our episode, we're going to be talking about our Christmas preparations so far, We're going to be talking about dealing with uh, seasonal affective disorder, and we're also going to be talking about some insights into the Christmas story. So we look forward to um, having you come along on the sleigh ride of fun and merriment as we uh, just look forward to Christmas. So uh, remember, keep looking up. Well, let me set the scene for you. Uh, I am sitting at one of my favorite tables, one of my favorite places to work on a project. I've got a cup of spearmint tea. I'm listening to the Perry Como Christmas album on vinyl. And downstairs, my wife is baking Christmas cookies. So it is a wonderful December 20th. it sounds pretty idyllic, doesn't it? It has been pretty great, but it's also been uh, already a very full week getting ready for Christmas, and my goal has been to stop and take breaks and do fun things so that when it's finally Christmas, we actually enjoy it. <laughs> we don't just tire ourselves out so much from getting ready for Christmas that we uh fall asleep when we cross the finish line. So, (laughs) we are looking forward to an absolutely wonderful Christmas. And as a pastor, I just love getting to make this a really special time for people. And we do that in a number of ways. Um, Our church has a Christmas party. Also, I'd like to invite you to our Christmas Eve service. If you're in the Duluth area, it'll be on Sunday at 10 o'clock. Um... And then during Advent, uh, we often are singing Christmas songs and uh, speaking on Christmas subjects. Uh, we've been looking at the wonderful prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 about Jesus as a wonderful counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting Father and looking at those things. We've also been looking at the wonderful truths uh proclaimed by Zechariah in the New Testament about Jesus and how he would be a horn lifted up in the house of David. So we this is a time of year that is so rich, so rich and uh yet we have these opportunities to either enjoy it or to push it into something that takes over. <laughs> and uh so I'm trying to lean way back on the brakes sometimes and try to enjoy it. But uh wanted to let you know um, that's part of the reason why we have not had an episode in a while uh, going back to November. Uh, we have just been really enjoying a lot of the things going on in this Christmas season. And one of the things that has really struck me is finding ways to be generous when um, cash is tight. That's been kind of a little bit of a theme for me this year. Um, we'd all love to be probably more generous than we can afford to be. And certainly um, there is a, a time and a place for giving um, till it hurts. But, you know, when oftentimes, and I think this is a really timely subject, when we are already trying to do a lot with a little um there are ways that we can be generous um in ways that will not necessarily cost us more money but may allow us to be more thoughtful um and so um oftentimes at church there are opportunities to give to a uh, collection for people um this year at our church, we had a mitten tree, and so um, we uh, grabbed an item and put it on there, and it was just an awesome way. It didn't cost us very much at all, but it was just a really great way to participate in something that was much bigger, and to just add our little bit to it to make it really special. And and everybody in our church doing that, we were able to give one of the best collections we've ever given to a. Mission here in Duluth, and I think it was just because everybody just stepped up and just did the little that they could and it, it all turned out really great. Another way you can do it is we um, recently wanted to show appreciation to somebody, and one of our one of our uh, people at church is very artistic, and so um, instead of sending something um, by way of a uh, uh, um, monetary gift, what we decided to do, and I honestly think it turned out um, really special, um, was this person use their artistic abilities to create a one-of-a-kind artistic gift that just looks so good for this person to make them feel special. And it just was awesome. And we all have our talents. We all have things that we're good at. Um and so that's really special. Um, another way that we can that we can give is um, by taking maybe some of our Christmas cookies that we would already be making um, and then taking some of those and putting them on a plate and making a nice note or coming up with a poem for Christmas that shares the message of Christ and putting that all in saran wrap and walking it over to the neighbor. All of these are things that we can do that make people feel special and it doesn't cost an awful lot of money to do it. Um, But it will cost some time and thoughtfulness and those are really the most important things that we can do. So hope that might give you an idea. Uh, If there's somebody you're trying to show some appreciation to at this time of year and and you're just kind of already um, kind of at the end of the rope of your wallet so to speak uh, that's kind of a mixed metaphor isn't it um, <laughs> if uh the church, the poor is church mice mice have moved on from your wallet cuz there's no crumbs there um, there's still a way you can help and it makes somebody feel special and of course this is going to sound so cheesy but don't forget to smile at this time of year and all that can do so much when people are feeling stress, to just remember that, hey, this is Christmas, we can all have fun. And you know I have to say this, but remember what we all learned from Elf. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And if you have a singing voice, and even if you don't, uh, singing is just an amazing way to give a gift to somebody um, maybe you don't have a, a specific person in, in general that you want to serenade, but you just want to spread some Christmas, Christmas cheer. Um, I have seen online this week, uh, a couple of videos of people just caroling in one in a Walmart, another in a restaurant and it just made people's day and people just got up. Everybody loved it and, uh, it was just so special and you can do that, um, and uh, one of my mom's favorite Christmas stories that she shared with me was, she was at a grocery store, and it was a very tense scene right before Christmas. And I don't know if there was a new cashier or if a machine went down, but people were just, everything was taking longer, and every, you could just feel everybody getting crabby and cranky. and um, This guy wearing a Christmas sw- sweater said, hey, everybody, let's spread some Christmas spirit. Let's sing a Christmas carol. And I think they sang Jingle Bells or Rudolph or something like that. Nothing of any great theological significance, but it just lifted everybody's spirits, and it turned what could have been a very uh, crabby moment into something that we've remembered all these years. So you have the power to do that. Um, One of the things we've also been doing is we've been trying to just take little excursions, little breaks to have fun. Um, Last night we went to Bentleyville, which is just so beautiful. They just do such an amazing job down there. And um, it was totally free. And as I was walking through, it might sound cheesy, but my Christmas spirit really did lift. As I was seeing all these beautiful lights and hearing the Christmas songs and eating hot chocolate and cookies and popcorn that they're giving away. And, you know, maybe cocoa has something to do with it. Um, but that really, really got me in a jolly mood. And there's probably something in your town that uh, you could take your husband to, your wife to, your kids to, and just make uh Don't forget to take breaks during this time of year and just enjoy yourself. And um, that has really helped... My wife said she felt like she was on a date last night, even though we didn't spend any money. So that was a big win to me, and um, I know she felt really special getting to do that. Um, Also, um, there might be a place in your town that's really beautiful or scenic, and it's always fun. If it's not too cold, not too bitterly cold, go out there, check it out. And there's just something really cool about looking at the sunset or just getting a a view of a a beautiful view overlooking a city or someplace. We went up to Anger Tower uh, the other night and it was just so neat getting to see all the Christmas lights below us and the the sunset uh, fading in the western sky and it just made us feel very happy. And then we drove around looking at Christmas lights and again, none of that cost any money and yet it just made us feel so special and Christmassy. Um, I know that this is a tough Christmas. One of the reasons I do is uh, my informal economic poll of looking at who sent us Christmas cards this year. (laughs) I don't think we offended too many people, but there's just less Christmas cards this year. Um, It's a tough year for people, and yet there's a lot of things we can do to have Christmas spirit and make people feel special and enjoy this time. And remember, I think I'm obligated to say this as a pastor, church is always free. So make sure you go to church at Christmas Eve. We'd love to have you here at our church, Emmanuel Baptist, 10 a.m. on Sunday. And uh, look forward to sharing some more with you in the next segment. welcome to this segment. We're going to be talking about dealing with seasonal affective disorder at this time of year. And also, um, you know, let's just talk about dealing with holiday stress in this segment also. And uh, we'll just, it's all kind of part of the bag, isn't it? (laughs) So we're going to be talking about that. But before we do that, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who's been a part of this podcast as a listener. Remember, without listeners, uh, there's no podcast. So thank you so much for listening this year. Uh, You've blessed me tremendously. Um, I love to talk, but to know that people are listening is really special to me. And I hope that you have been encouraged this year. Uh, We really do hope that this has meant uh, as much to you as it has to us. So thank you so much for being part of it. We have... Had 123 listens this year in our first year as a podcast and we thank you for making that happen. So thanks so much. I also wanted to add one other free way to enjoy Christmas. Go on YouTube. There is so much amazing Christmas music. If you like vintage Christmas music um, to kind of set the mood, uh, check out, type in Jake Westbrook and then go look at his vintage Christmas and Vintage Winter playlists. He also has some a really awesome radio show. Um or I guess it's a podcast. It's it's a radio show and a podcast. Since it's on an actual radio station in Idaho. But um he does that with his brother McLean. It's called yesterday today and they've had three phenomenal pre-Christmas episodes here this month already. So I, I just <laughs> want to encourage you to check that out. You'll laugh, you'll enjoy it. It's very wholesome. You can listen to it with your kids. It's perfect for making Christmas cookies, and it really sets a great vibe. So enjoy that, and hope you do. Got to take a sip here of some spearmint tea, and let's talk about. I, I talk about dealing with uh, the lack of sunshine, and also dealing with seasonal affective disorder at this time of year. I kind of feel at this point like I should ha- stick out my shingle the doctor is in. So <laughs> I'm not coming to you here with any um any uh professional counseling advice here, but more as somebody who's dealt with these things myself. Um just and also, you know, from the insights that the word of God has to share on these things. Um and so, uh, you know, let's just talk about these things as just as people, and, and that's where we're going to have a, a great start to our conversation here. So at this time of year, uh, especially here in northern Minnesota, we have a phenomenon here called seasonal affective disorder. And if you suffer from it, you know what I'm talking about. Basically, <coughs> the less light there is, uh, the harder it is for you to be happy. <laughs> Uh, uh, you get on edge. might be harder for you to deal with some of your thoughts. You might find yourself getting stuck or getting in a rut. And you're thinking, hey, what's the matter with me? What's my problem? How come I'm so gloomy? How come I'm so edgy? Uh, There may be other things that are kind of driving this too. As I mentioned, this is the time of year when there's a lot of stuff going on. It's, it can feel very hectic. There can be a lot of pressure. And so for, sometimes this, for some people, this just really wrecks the holidays. And I just want to stop and say, let's not try to get through the holidays. Let's enjoy the holidays. You know, God gives us every day as a gift. We don't want to take even one of those days as, a, um, as something that we take for granted. We just want to say, thank you, God. And we want to say, let's rejoice um, because this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So we want to we enjoy the time God has given to us. These days are special. Um, I can't tell you how many amazing memories I have from this time of year, even though a lot of tough stuff has also happened. For me, at this time of year, so I'm not just uh, Pollyanna here coming to you and saying, hey, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, buck up. I, I, I'm i saying I've been there. I know what it's like to have a difficult time, but you can have a really great Christmas time. So I've got some tips. I've got some suggestions here for you. And I'm just going to talk. Um, I'm going to start off from the biblical perspective here and say, let's remember that... Um the Bible talks a lot especially in Proverbs about having a merry heart. And I it's just so special to me that one of the words we use at this time of year is merry Christmas. And we it's not a word we use a lot of other times of the year. We don't really use the word merry at any other time than Christmas, but the Bible talks about having a merry heart. And so if we can uh, get that mental image of merriment, of being joyful on purpose, of seizing an occasion and having joy and um, having this become a strength for us, uh, a source of strength for us, um, like old Fezziweig, In the Christmas Carol, he was the merriest guy that Scrooge knew. Um, That merry heart will sustain us through some very difficult things. And ultimately, for us as Christians, our source of joy is in Jesus Christ because we can do all things through him. Uh, We know that he has dealt with all of our big problems. Sin, death, the grave, the devil. He's dealt with all those things. And he's brought his light into our darkness. And he's given us his love. And he showed that to us forever. Not because we earned it. Not because we deserved it. But as a gift to sinners from the cross. Where he paid the ultimate cost for us as the Lamb of God. And so, if that doesn't give you something to celebrate, then you got to do some soul searching and say, "I got to figure out where th- these plugs aren't plugging in." And uh, <laughs> you're gonna, you get those plug-ins right, you plug into that joy. You're gonna have a lot of joy, my friend. But having a merry heart, this is kind of uh, a different. It's it's along the same lines as joy, I believe, but it's also. It's also uh, developing, it's not just merely a positive attitude. I believe it's having an attitude of enjoying being joyful. The enjoyment of good things. The enjoyment of being happy. Now, why do I say that? Because we all know people, and maybe we at times struggle with this, people who seem to enjoy not being happy. And if we are going to make this a part of our lives, having a merry heart, we have to learn what is holding us back from enjoying being happy. Maybe it's um, the way we were raised, maybe it was, uh, maybe in part it's um, misinterpretation of scripture, might be uh, disposition, but... There may be something a cultural cultural uh, thing that's makes you feel like you can't be happy or you shouldn't be happy. When I when I say this, I you you just think of old Fezziwig being merry. You think of David dancing before the Lord. Um, you think of the people um, that Ezra was preaching to, and they were bawling and. Ezra was telling them, hey, go and rejoice. Don't be sad today. Today's a day to rejoice in the Lord. There's always something to cry about. There will always be, uh, you know, um, some reason that we can be, um, we can find to be down in the dumps if you want to look for it. But in the same way, if you have a merry heart, you can always find something to rejoice in. And like Paul said, again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. So we want to work on having a merry heart. So that being said, there's also some practical things I think we can do. Now remember the Lord created everything and he gave it as good gifts to us. So the sunlight is a gift to us. Uh, and he, uh, what can you do to get as much of that natural sunlight as possible at this time of year? Maybe your work schedule makes that tough. Um, but do you have a window, uh, in your office or is there an errand you can run that will get you outside and get you as much light as possible? Um, on Saturday, um, you might be really tired, but it might be good to take a walk out in the sunshine if it's sunny. And even if it's kind of half light, that sunlight will still be good for you and it will still um, Gets you pretty far i 'm recording this on the, the second to shortest night of the year uh, day of the year, I should say <laughs> and uh, so I, this is very much something i 've been thinking about today. It seemed to get dark awful early today, but if you try to get outside, um, that 'll help a lot and honestly that 's one reason I love hunting in November because that that chunk of November during hunting season. That's one of the toughest parts for me. And if I can be outside as much as possible and see the sunrise and see the sunset and see as much of the day in the middle of it, that does so much good for me. That's a gift from God. Another thing is uh, you can take um, um, something like uh, St. John's Ward. I take a product called Luminex made by Melaleuca. And I don't have any prescriptions that, you know, conflict with it. Some people have to look out for that, but you know, that can help um, too. That does help. And again, God gave us every green herb for food. And uh, a lot of the things that um, that we need are out there in plants and uh, we need to eat them. (laughs) And that can really help. Um, If you're, if you're eating good food at this time of year, Um, That'll really help you. Um, Another thing is I want to talk about something I learned this uh, fall. And um, that was that um, I, I, I was starting to go through a period of time in which I did not realize that I was very stressed, but I was. And I was starting to suffer insomnia. And it turns out that there is a part of our body called the vagus nerve, and it's the largest nerve in our body, and it connects our brain to our tongue and to other parts of our body. And there are some people who get really weird about this. Um, There's a lot of New Age stuff about this nerve out there. I'm not going there. But just remember, God made everything. He made your vagus nerve. And so you can learn about this in a godly way, and without having to have it drag you into um new age stuff and uh i realized that uh from some of my research that the number one the number one symptom of having your vagus nerve be overworked is insomnia and what i realized is that a lot of what i was dealing with um i was I was overloading my system and I, even though I wasn't necessarily consciously stressed, I had just worked my nerves too much and I needed to do something to help my nerves. And so I, I started doing this and number one, I prayed about it. That's where I started. And I also um, learned a very simple exercise uh that helped reset the nerve it was not weird it was not new agey at all but then I also um learned that chewing gum can help so I had gum so I started chewing gum that helped um I learned that fresh air especially cold air is really good for helping that nerve to heal Well, there's plenty of that at this time of year, so hunting was really helping. I was getting sunshine, I was getting fresh air, I was getting cold air. So um, all that to say that there are, um, this is something you can look into yourself, but you can find at this time of year that there are a lot of simple things that don't seem like a whole lot, but if you are... If you are kind of just keeping an eye on yourself and just watching and taking advantage of some of these opportunities, man, um it, it can really help. You know, getting outside and just getting some fresh air, taking a walk, man, that'll do you a world of good. Uh especially if you've been in the house for a long time and you're just kind of feeling like uh you're gonna go nuts if you're looking at the walls any longer or looking at your list any longer. Go outside. And uh, I I have just benefited so much from understanding how my body works, how God made my body to work better. And um, I also use a happy lamp. Um, that helps too. But I found that as I have um, just tried to pray towards having a merry heart and... Um, asking God through his holy spirit to do that in me and also kind of like watching you know am i overtaxing my nerves is this too much do i need to take a break um i found that my body has really responded really well to that and uh i have felt a lot less nervous and i've enjoyed the holidays a lot more and um so you can too And this is starting to get to be a long segment, and I want to get to the Christmas story. So please join us in the next segment. Well, this is the time of year that we come back and look at that story that we know so well. And we are just amazed by it all over again. I'm referring, of course, to the Christmas story and... We oftentimes learn about this as a kid. And of course, as kids, we kind of come to understand the plot and the characters. We understand those things, but as we become adults, we start to look at things and things really start to click into place at how amazing the story really is. And then there are other insights that we might get in studying Scripture that make it even more amazing. And over time, our understanding of Scripture deepens, and these little details add to our enjoyment and our appreciation and just our worship of God. As we understand that He was the author <laughs> of this amazing story and the mo- one of the most important moments in history, uh, there were no accidents, there were no coincidences, He planned it so well. And he meant it to be something that we would think about, something that we'd study, something that would bring us joy for many years. And uh, we would probably even be uh, learning about in glory, uh, understanding that, wow, God, we're going to get a chance to ask you, these questions we've wondered all these years. So there's just some really amazing things here. And um, I want to talk, first of all, about something that I did not understand until I became an adult. And that was that (laughs) there's something called taxes. And one of the things that's so cool at this time of year is... There's kind of two sides to Christmas. When you're a kid especially, you probably feel the fun side a little bit more. When you're an adult, you tend to feel some of the, the, uh, for lack of a better term, stress a little bit more. Because now you're making Christmas happen for other people. But what's truly amazing is that sometimes we just feel guilty about that. We just feel like, oh, you know, I should be enjoying this more and then that kind of makes you feel even worse because (laughs) you feel like, I should enjoy this, but I I just have all this stuff going on. And uh, we we kind of are like George Bailey's walking around. We just are kind of, um, I don't know, maybe even taking away from other people's Christmases if we just uh, feel kind of, Like the focus is on us. So, I want to speak a word of encouragement to you. And just remind you that in that first Christmas, uh, Joseph and Mary had problems. They did. And uh, one of the things that was, uh, first of all, um, God had selected Mary to be the mother of Jesus. And her lineage was very important. She was connected back to the Davidic line so that Jesus would be physically descended from Abraham and from David. However, Joseph was also selected because not only did he have to have the personal qualities to be a good adopted uh, father to Jesus, but he also had to have the title. He had to be in he had to be the heir of David. So that Jesus would receive that as the oldest son. And so we these people were not selected um randomly. Uh, they were not the millionth customer. God had planned uh down from the very beginning that these people would serve in these very important roles uh, as mom and adopted dad. And initially, both of them were very surprised that they had been selected for these jobs. Mary was very surprised to hear what her job was going to do, and yet she received it with faith, and she was commended for that. Joseph was a good guy, but he did not, he was very concerned about the fact that Mary was pregnant, and he did not want anything bad to happen to her, but he just did not see how he could be married to this woman who was pregnant. Um, and what we have to remember is that the marriage customs of those days were a little different, and this is why the King James is so helpful to us. Um, the King James calls Mary Joseph's espoused wife, but it also says they had not come together yet. And so what's going on here? Well, our terms today and also our deplorable uh, uh, public morals muddy the waters here, right? Um, Today, people may be living together, but they're not married. They may be fiancés, but they're living together, Um, it just gets so hard uh, to try to translate this into modern terms. So instead of trying to do that, let's just go back and understand what was going on with these people. So it's not that they were merely fiancés. It was more than that. They had already been pledged to each other, but the marriage hadn't been consummated yet. And so they were they were actually already married in one sense but not in a uh way where they had had sexual relations yet where the marriage had been consummated and so this was the absolutely perfect providence of God because Jesus had to be born of a virgin. And there's a lot of a lot of stuff I can go on and share about that. And maybe I will do that another time. But I just am gonna say he had to be born of a virgin. He had to be without sin. He had to be descended from Adam, but in a roundabout way where he did not receive um, original sin. And he also um had to be born of a virgin because that's what Isaiah had spoken by the word of the Lord. So at the same time, he also had to be the heir of David, which is also a many prophecies speak of that. So he had to be the firstborn son. He couldn't be the second son. He couldn't be the third son. He had to be the firstborn son. And This is important. This is why why Joseph being the adopted father is very important. And so, um, just even though these people were very special and they did have very high moral character and they were godly people, remember, they're still just people. And uh, if you put yourself in their shoes, you can imagine being Mary or being Joseph and just dealing with this very unusual situation and then an angel comes and tells you what to do wow that's <laughs> what would that be like but um they both are told hey don't change your plans um this is god's plan and i think there's a lesson for us there you know god has us where he wants us you know maybe he wants to get us somewhere else but you're here you're where god wants you He's, he's working a plan and what you need to do is be obedient to him where you're at. So we see that in the middle of this absolutely extraordinary event in their own personal lives and in the life of the nation because they quickly realize that this is way bigger than just them. This is uh, the promise that the prophets have spoken of you know, forever. And... This is way bigger than them. In the middle of this, they have to deal with taxes. That's right. Christmas happened at tax season. Okay, so there was lots of hassles going on, and some of you women out there uh, who have had children, imagine, um, not only having to pay taxes, but you can't do it online. You have to go back to your husband's ancestral hometown in order to be counted and pay taxes. And you're very pregnant. You are full term and you're on a donkey and you got to (laughs) travel. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun, does it? But this is what was happening. So you know what? In the middle of all of the Christmas chaos, God's providence is working out his plan and he can use all of those things sovereignly to accomplish his will for you, to make something good happen for you, to make you more like Christ, to make you more holy, to um, give you greater joy. So, uh, even these these Christmas hassles in God's providence can turn into blessings. Remember the promise of uh, Romans 8.28. So, Okay, so now it's tax season. Now remember, God is sovereign over the most important people and the lowest of the low. There's nobody he's not sovereign over. So we have this really important guy, Caesar Augustus, and he just happens to decree this tax for the whole Roman world. Now, do you think that that was just Caesar's idea? Now, I'm sure this guy loved money. But do you think it was just Caesar's idea for this to happen? Uh, Just, no, no, it wasn't. God sovereignly worked all the way up at the top of the Roman food chain for this tax to happen. Because it would bring Jesus to the town where he had to be born in order to fulfill prophecy. Remember, uh, Joseph and Mary were from Nazareth. That was where they were from. That was their hometown. But Jesus had to be born, uh, according to prophecy, he had to be born in Bethlehem. So how do you get a pregnant woman all the way uh, from in the north of the land down to the south? Well, it has there has to be an awfully good reason. And for them it was paying their taxes. So now we get to the familiar scene of the manger and we have this amazing um thing happen where there's no room in the inn and they end up having to stay in the stable and um you know you if you study this you'll you'll kind of realize that some of this, um, some of the, the familiarity of the scene, we may have uh, assumed some of the stuff, but what we, the detail I can tell you is 100% biblical uh, that we see in the pageants is the manger. The manger is 100% biblical. This was the sign that God was going to use to show the shepherds that the Messiah had been born. So let's talk about that manger for a second. And we assume Because there's a manger that there were also animals, right? And uh, and so we oftentimes talk about it as a stable. And so, um, but just think about that for a second. You know, this is already a tough time on Mary. And now she's going into labor in a very um, challenging place to have a baby. You know, I... I, (laughs) If this wasn't already the greatest uh, story of all time, it would make an absolutely amazing movie plot, right? Because we got another twist, right? She goes into labor and Jesus ends up being born in this extreme, the king, uh, not just the the Jews, but of the whole world is born in the humblest of places. It's absolutely amazing. But I want to talk about this now because remember that, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Now this was significant because he was going to be known as the Lamb of God. And these shepherds were probably not just mere shepherds, but these were probably the shepherds uh, that were watching over the sacrificial lamps. They, they were responsible for caring for these very pure um by by pure, I mean that they were fit candidates to be sacrificed to the Lord, and they this was their job and so they were um, out there now remember how many sacrifices were constantly being offered in the temple at Jerusalem There was this huge demand for all these sacrifices so how do you if you, at this huge volume, how do you have All of these lambs produced, well, you got to have shepherds, right? And this is part of the supply chain of the sacrifices. And so these guys, their professional job is probably taking care of these lambs and making sure that there were these lambs fit to offer to the Lord. So these guys know their job. They're out watching the flock by night, making sure no animals are messing with the flock. They know how to take care of the lambs. Uh, they've got the whole thing down. And suddenly, there's the glory, the Shekinah glory of the Lord is filling the sky in a way that maybe the Israelites had not seen since the dedication of the temple. Um, Uh, Solomon's temple. Uh, The Shekinah glory was just so powerful and so strong. It filled the air. There's these angels. Well, yeah, you would have been freaked out too. But now they tell these shepherds whose job was to take care of these sacrificial lambs um, that they will find this uh, Messiah who has been born wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And what is significant for us in this part of the story is that that is exactly how they cared for these lambs. Um, After they were born, to protect them, they would wrap them up and they'd oftentimes lay them in a manger. And so this was so significant to them because they knew what the sacrificial lambs looked like. And this was a very powerful symbol to them that this Messiah was born to be the Lamb of God. We, uh, I've got goosebumps just thinking about it right now, folks, but I hope that that gives you just a little bit more enjoyment of this time of year. Uh, The thought that God was working all the details to communicate, and he was doing it through the fun stuff and the not fun stuff. Right It's exciting to have a baby, but it might not be exciting to have a baby in a stable. It's fun to uh um, it's fun to have these people excited about the birth of your child, but it's also um just absolutely astounding when they come because of angels telling them, hey, we were going to see a sign, and you realize that this makeshift situation was meant by God to mean something to people. Right? So God is, have, he, everything with God is meaningful. He's so good. These details are so important. And we're not going to try to exhaust them all. There's way more, and uh, we're probably just scratching the surface. But I hope that this helps you to enjoy and remember that Romans 5.8, that Christ showed his love for us, in, that God showed his love for us in this, that, well, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he sent his son, his only son, his only begotten son, into the world to be your lamb, your sacrificial lamb, so you might have peace with God. And I hope that shows you how great God's love is and that you'll let that into your heart this Christmas. All right, thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed this. And uh, remember, keep looking up. Well, the old clock on the wall is telling me it's time to go. I hope you've enjoyed this wonderful Christmas episode. I know I have. And it's helped me to feel way more Christmassy and I hope it helps you to feel Christmassy too. Remember, you're invited to our Christmas Eve service, 10 a.m. Uh, at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Duluth Heights. Hope that you can make it. But if you can't, uh, remember, um, I'm wishing you right now a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And from uh, me And my family to yours, Merry Christmas, my friend. And may God bless us, everyone. And remember, keep looking up.